You're listening to sermon audio from The Shore Church, located in North Vancouver. For more information about The Shore, head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Stand and rise and we'll read Ecclesiastes 9, uh, 1 through 12 together. Uh, I think it was on the newsletter we had the the text for next week, uh, but this week we're going to hit 9 through, or sorry, 1 through 12 of chapter 9. Uh, So let's read this together as a body. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion." For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. So go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. This is the word of God. Let's pray and then jump in. So let's stay standing as we pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. This is the word of God. And help us learn and glean from it today, this morning. And not only learn and glean from it, but apply it to our life. This week, we have no idea what tomorrow will bring. But you do, Jesus. You do. And so help us trust in you. That, only, that is the only thing that makes sense, that we would trust in the one who knows, not in our own hearts or our minds or our strengths or our gifts or our talents, which can be taken away in an instant. So help us, Lord. Help us learn from you today. And uh, be in my words, Lord. Uh, help me step aside and, and let you uh, speak your words to, the, to my fellow brothers and sisters and visitors here and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, grab a seat. Uh, I'm not sure uh, <clears throat> how you think, but this is, I've always been this way, uh, and that I would look at people as I was driving down the street or sitting on a park bench or whatever it might be, I'm wa- I, I watch people. 
I watch them regularly. I observe people and I wonder, and I was just doing this the other day and it caught me uh, based on our text here. I was looking at these two individuals across the street and they're talking to one another. And in my mind, I'm constantly going, I wonder what they're thinking about. I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder what their, val- what their values are. I wonder what they, what they talk and, and are interested in. And I'm not sure if you're like this, but I've, like I said, I'm always, I've always been like this. I remember this as a little kid, like go, going to the mall with my mom. My favorite place was actually sitting on the benches in the middle hallways and just watching people. Some people call that stalking. I like to call it people watching. All right, sounds much better. But that's, a, I've always been like that. And then I wonder also, not just of other people walking in our neighborhoods, but I also wonder, does God do this? Is God like this? That he observes, that he watches, that he considers every moment of our day and what we talk about. But not just me, every single person on this planet. That's crazy. See, Genesis 28, 15 says it this way. Behold, I, God, am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That is amazing. Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Deuteronomy eleven twelve. the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Psalm 121, 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's actually everywhere in the scripture. God observes us. He considers us. He knows the days of our lives continually. And even in our text today, look back at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. It says, but all this. Solomon, the preacher king, is saying, all this I lay to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Like everything, first and foremost, sifts through the hand of God. Everything. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says it really clear. I love that psalm. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, again, watchful, saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Our God loves us. He knows us intimately. This is the sovereignty of God in our first of five points this morning. We're hitting the first one a little bit. The five points that I've got here this morning, if it's not working, here they are. All things are in God's hand. Verse 1, you can see that clearly. We're going to talk more about it. Second one is no one knows God's plan outside of what he reveals. We see that in the second part of verse 1. All men die. That's a really exciting one. 
all men are sinners, another exciting one. And then the last one we're going to hit is go therefore and enjoy. So we have already hit some of point one, but let's finish it off. All things are in God's hand. All things are in God's hand. So John Frame, a theologian, said it this way, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing seems marvelous to him. With him, nothing is impossible, so his purposes will always prevail. His purposes will always prevail. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Or Zechariah 8, 6, talking about the blessing of the Lord and the calling of his people to himself. And it says, If it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Like if it's marvelous to you, should it also be marvelous to me? No, you're God, right? Let me hit this point a little bit more. Like it's like if God does something marvelous, like draw the people to himself, and we think this is amazing, this is marvelous, he's going, this is normal to me. This is normal. For I am God and you are not. Right, Matthew 19, 26 says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Luke 1.37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. So God's acts we cannot fully grasp or understand, but what we do know is that they are good and marvelous to us. They're good and marvelous to us. John Piper says it this way, uh, author, pastor, uh, theologian, he says this, whenever God acts, he acts in a way that pleases him. God is never constrained to do a thing that he despises. He is never backed into a corner where his holy recourse is to do something he hates to do. He does whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. And I, when, I, when I read that quote now in, in my studies this week, I thought about, I'm not sure if you are NBA fans, like basketball fans. As you can t- tell by my stature, I like basketball. I enjoy it. I, I was actually fairly good at it. I, I can still play and I coach. I love playing the sport. It, it actually tr- allowed me to travel the world a little bit. And uh, I, I thought of this one YouTube clip that I saw of Tyler Hero. If you, if you know, he's like the sharpshooter. He, he's amazing shooter. And he, he plays for the Miami Heat. He was a rookie a couple years ago. And on this YouTube clip, they were interviewing him about uh, the things, what he did with his first million dollars. No one's interviewed me yet about my first million dollars, but someone interviewed Tyler Hero, right? Like, what are you going to do with your first million dollars? That was a joke, by the way. Uh, my first 10 bucks, I could, I could have that interview. Uh, but they interviewed him, and, and it, was like, it was really interesting to watch. Like, this 19 to 20-year-old kid, what did you do with your first million dollars? Well, I did this for my mom. I did this for my dad. And he asked, the interview, one thing was actually really interesting. What, what, what was the best present uh, you bought for your teammate? And what was the best present they bought for you? And these guys are like 19, 20-year-olds buying each other $50,000 watches. It's like just a different realm that we, they live in. And it got to the point where he, he has a personal chef that was with him like 24-7. All these young mums, that would be nice, right? 24-7, every meal, every snack was taken care of. And then he goes, okay, what was your favorite meal? And he says some pasta dish. And this is, where, this is the kicker here. This, were, this is why I remembered this. He goes, what was, your worst, what was the worst meal that you ever eaten? And he looked up like he's contemplating and he goes, 
I just don't eat it. I don't eat what I want, what I don't want. In, in far greater ways, in far greater ways, God creates perfectly, and as Piper said in the quote I shared, God is never constrained to do a thing that he despises. He's never constrained to it, for he's God. Contrast this with us, contrast this with you. We do not know why or how or when exactly things were formed into existence, but God does. He does. He knows all things. Solomon, the preacher king of this wisdom literature, is doing his very best to awaken us to the fact that God knows all and we don't. He knows all and we don't. And his, and his creation comes with a perfect plan. Again, verse 1, the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. He knows all things. See, the takeaway for us at this point, the application, when living out our lives, we can find contentment in only one thing. That's why the, the, the world continually battles to find contentment. Constantly looking for something to content, just to, to be satisfied in. The only thing that will satisfy you is Jesus Christ. The only thing. For that's how you were created, to worship him, to be in him. Like the seconds of our lives are in the hands of God. The days, the hours, the months, the years, they're all through the hand of God. And our contentment only is found in him. And this is good for us. It's good for us. So how are we, the application point, I guess, for this first point, how are we content in the Lord, knowing that everything is through his hand? Trial, suffering, whatever it might be, is already through the hand of God, the loving hand of God who intricately wove you together. Look at the next point. No one knows God's plan outside of what he reveals. This is an interesting one. It says, whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. See, God's work sometimes comes across to us as confusing, but never to him. It's never confusing to him. See, we see this in creation, in the fall, in his redemptive plan through Noah, the Tower of Babel, the slavery of the people of Israel, Moses, Rahab, Esther, Jonah, Daniel, even in Solomon's life, but none more clear than Joseph and Jesus. None more clear. See, Joseph, at the end of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says something very famously when his brothers, if you remember the story, when he was a teenager, his brothers were wanting to kill him, first of all, and then they decided, let's just sell him into slavery and pretend his death and show our father that he's dead. And, and then he says this, he goes on to live his life as a slave to the to Pharaoh, and he works his way up and, and to be one that saves hundreds of thousands of people from, slave, from starvation. And he says this to his brothers, as for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Everything through the hands of God. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Like our text says, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Like we, we don't know why we go through certain pains and suffering and trials and, and sickness. We have no idea Love or hate, we don't, we don't know. But God does. God does. See, one day we would be in awe of God's marvelous plan of salvation for his people, for you and for me. We, we will one day marvel at it. 
See, the marvelous, wonder, mis- wonderful, mysterious plan that God would come, born of a virgin, live the life we could not live, pay the penalty we could not pay, and rise from the grave, defeating death and sin for the eternal salvation of those who believe and put their trust in him. This is a marvelous plan. One that is to save us from all things. See, they meant, the, Joseph's brothers, they meant evil uh, for him and and also, like the brothers selling Joseph into slavery, the religious leaders hand over Jesus to be killed. They meant evil for Jesus. And Jesus, knowing all things, knowing all, like things that look eternally evil on the outside, were written before time to be for our good and his glory. See, he was written into that story as well. He wrote himself into the story to come and be the savior of all of us that we might believe and trust and confess him as our Lord and Savior. See, the disciples thought this was an evil act until three days later, right, when he rose from the dead. They thought this was evil. It was before man and it looked evil. The religious leaders killed their Savior, their so-called Savior, the Redeemer that they thought was the king that was going to take over the land, and yet he's hanging on the cross. And so they went all back home. They went back to do their fishing or their carpentry or to work with their father on the farm or whatever it might be. And then three days later, Jesus all of a sudden rises from the dead. And these disciples go back to the very city that Jesus has killed and they start proclaiming the good news of Jesus. No more fear. See, with 2,000 years of history and historical evidence that cannot be denied, what is holding us back, friends, from living with reckless abandon for this story? Oftentimes, we find ourselves, like the disciples, going back to what is most comfortable instead of recklessly sharing the story of Jesus Christ. So we may not know the plans and actions of God, but we do know the call upon our lives, don't we? To evangelize the unbeliever, to disciple the believer, the new believer to maturity and to live in community. Like not just a community, a community with a focal point of Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to live in. See, our job, friends, our job, church, is to trust in the plan of God before us and keep it simple. Keep it that simple evangelize those that God places before you because all things are through the hand of God. The people that you run in contact with are placed there by the hand of God. The people that you work with, the people that you live beside, the people that you walk beside, the people that, that sell you your groceries, the people that hand over your coffee, everybody is placed there first by the hand of God. If he, God says in Proverbs that he knows every roll of the dice, then don't you think this marvelous plan, he knows the person that hands you, his coffee, uh, hands you your coffee in the morning? And we are called to share the good news of him. Third point is where it gets a little bit rough. All men die, verses 2 and 3, and, and then we'll skip down to 11 to 12. Let me read it for us. It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is, is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Skip down to verse 11. It says, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, 
That's what we think, right? The, the swift are going to win the race, but not, not always. Nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor, or favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So I just wrote some comparisons here in this, in this, and they've gotten a whole bunch, but it's righteous, wicked, good, evil, clean, unclean, one who sacrifices, one who doesn't, good, sinner, one who keeps his oath, one who doesn't, the race not to the swift, battle to the strong, bread to the wise, riches to intelligent, favor to the knowledgeable. Men die with no rhyme or reason if we're looking at it at our perspective under the sun. See, when your time is up, according to the sovereign hand of God, it will be up. There's no arguing this. See, there is nothing in your power to extend your days or lessen your days. But is there? See, I don't want to take us on a, comp, uh, a complete tangent here, but it's worth noting when in sin, when in sin, like high-handed sin, when you know you ought to do something, even the Spirit of God is going, don't do this thing, and yet you continue to do it, we fall into sin and actually sin that the scripture calls that might lead you to death. And we see this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine thirty two when talking about communion, the bread and the cup. That's why it's a very important aspect and for us to understand. The scripture is very clear on this. It says this, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So we can, can we change our death? Can we lengthen our days? Look at James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Then you have stories of false prophets being killed by God because of what they proclaimed. Others like Nabal falling dead because of how he treated King David or Ananias and with his wife Sapphira falling dead because they withheld their tithe to the church. See, these are all examples of one's life being taken seemingly early. But Solomon was given the word from God in 1 Kings, which we've read multiple times in this text or in this sermon series, but it says there in 1 Kings 3, if you walk, this is God talking to, to Solomon, if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commands as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. See, these are all marvelous things that we cannot fully understand, but totally normal for the Lord. See, these are not common stories, but they are stories nonetheless in the scripture that give insight into the importance of walking with God rather than rebellion. And isn't that the point? And I don't want you to miss that. Don't get caught up in can we extend our life or, or will our life be taken away? The point of this is that we walk with God not on your own. That's the point. So when your time is up, it is up. But the clear command of God is to honor him. And by so doing, our days may even be lengthened. See, the problem is we are all sinners. 
We're all sinners. And that's our next section. Romans 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, it's very clear. No one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So to perfectly obey the Lord's commands without the help of the Lord is an impossible task. We need Jesus. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And to do so, we confess, believe, and trust in him, in what his work is, what he has done for us. That is our salvation. So all men are sinners. This is our next point. All men are sinners. Verses 3 through 6, it says this. Also the hearts of the children of men are full of, of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But he who is joined with the living has hope. Has hope. This is an interesting phrase, almost like a little bit of a, a proverb. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. See, I believe here in this section, Solomon is foreshadowing the church and the world. I think there's a foreshadow here. See, the world, the people that choose the selfish, covetous, immoral life, setting their own laws and rules for living, are the dead lion. They're the dead lion. Their lives might look majestic and some, some, something worthy of pursuit, but there is no life in them. And we see those people on Instagram, right? Like, I want their life. I want, I want to look like them. I want, I want this. I want to pursue the things that they are pursuing rather than pursuing the things, the very things that God has called us to. See, craving and drawing near, <clears throat> near thing, to things this, of this world because of the little plastic reward you might receive. But you always see the results of that little reward, don't you? Brokenness, emptiness, loneliness, shame, guilt, condemnation. See, friend, I too have that voice in my head that you have. The voice to rebel, the voice to seek my wants, my needs, my desires, to build my kingdom. I have that voice too. It's a battle. We, we, are, we are called to battle against it, to trust in the Lord, to, to abide in the spirit of God. Solomon says, isn't it better to be an alive dog rather than a dead lion? See, dogs in the days of Solomon uh, were a little bit different. They weren't getting coats and raincoats and, and treated, <clears throat> treated the way we treat our dogs here. But the dog back then was a lowly creature, begging, running wild, returning to its own vomit. And Solomon is saying, isn't it better to be like that than a majestic lion, a dead one? Isn't it better to be a lowly dog, to be in the presence of the living? See, this is the church. <laughs> this is the church made up of lowly dogs. Lowly dogs, sometimes returning to our own vomit, don't we? Don't we return to our own vomit at times, the things that we thought we got rid of, but striving to receive the scraps from the living King of kings and Lord of lords, wandering into a community, a live community, that is gleaning from the word of God to, to grow in, to, to be nurtured in, and one day changing from one degree of holiness to the next moving from a lowly dog to actually identified as a son and an heir of the throne. This is our story. Jesus came as fully God, knowing the beginning and the end, and he came to save you and I from our evil hearts that we might live in and for him as sons and heirs to the throne. 
Friends, let's celebrate that good news. That's good news. We are, we are lowly dogs. We were once dead lions, and God, according to Ephesians 2, renewed us. We were children of wrath, heading for destruction, and he renews us into life. We're reborn. We're renewed in him. It's nothing we have done. It is everything that he has done for us. And this leads us to our final point. Out of that, being renewed, being reborn, go therefore and enjoy. Go therefore and enjoy. Verse 7 says, Go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. This is representation of the righteousness of Christ. Like I said, it was a foreshadowing, I think, of the church. It's moving forward. Go there, go, let your garments be always white. It's the, it's the righteousness that we receive from Christ. It's no righteousness of us. We're evil. Remember just a few verses before. We're, we're our evil hearts, our, our sin nature is constant, and we need to be saved from that. And that's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. He came and paid for us, making us pure, making us white. Like a bride walking down the aisle, we are now pure. All sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. Past, present, future. We are now renewed in him. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Oil is a symbolization of a symbol, not the thing, but a symbolization of the spirit to be filled and anointed with the spirit of God. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Be filled with the Spirit that he might lead you and teach you and remind you of the things of Jesus as, as John chapter 14 and 15 talk of. This is what we're called to. Live in the righteousness of God and be filled with the Spirit of God and enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. It's one day going to pass and so let's not forget what we're called to do, church. Like our application today is to go, is to go enjoy the things that you have been blessed with and the number one thing that you've been blessed with is the righteousness of God. And may we proclaim that to our friends and our neighbors. Like, what's holding us back? Let's live a little bit crazy. Talking to the barista and shocking them a little bit. Talking to your grocer. Talking to your neighbor and going, you know what? I, I love you. What? Dude, you don't even cut my grass. Uh, uh, but, but I do love you. I care for you. And I've been challenged this week to, to live out what I've been called to. And that, 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 that calling is to share with you about Jesus. Can I have like two minutes of your time? This is our calling, friends. The harvest is plentiful. And the workers, few. So I know there's going to be a few people that want to do this, but I want this church to be about that. That's why evangelism, discipleship, and community. May we strive to share our love for Jesus and how much we care for him and what he has done for us. So let's give it it all, not for our sake, but for his. This story we are living in is not ours. It never was and never will be. It's always been about Jesus. And so we need to start living that way. That this story that we're living on, the timeline that we're living on, the neighborhood that we live in is about him. It's about Jesus. So let's share 
with our friends and our family and our neighbors. Let's turn from our wicked, from our wicked ways and begin and continue to live for Jesus. We end, we end, amen. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, help us. Help us live according to your word. Let, let us just be that simple that when we read it, that we would apply it and then we would go and live it out. Lord, help us be that simple. I think that's what you're calling us to do. Be like children and children are not ashamed to share about you. And so help us be like that. Be your children to share about our, our Savior, our Father, the Spirit with great joy because of what you've done for us, that you've saved us eternally. And so help us, Lord, as a church, be about you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from The Shore Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not charge for it. Learn more about The Shore at www.theshorechurch.ca.